0: In the name of God, most merciful, ever merciful, and may God's peace and blessings be upon His holy Prophet Muhammad and the purified members of His household and progeny. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad wa abjil Respected sisters, dear brothers, and respected viewers, assalamu alaikum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And let us begin. By expressing our condolences on the passing away of the Holy Prophet (sallallahu alaihi these are the days and nights of his of this uh, sad event. Uh, and inshallah these lectures, including this one specifically, we spend a bit more time going through narrations, even though we will stay on topic, inshallah the majority of the narrations that we picked for today, you will see, are coming from the Holy Prophet ﷺ as a means of commemorating his remembrance, that we all be of those who gain the success and fortune of visiting him in this world and receiving his greater intercession in the afterlife. I also mentioned, since we're talking about the passing away of the, of passing away of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, that uh, according to some reports two days later so on the 28th of Safar it would be the passing away of the Holy Prophet on the 30th of Safar uh, according to some reports it is a passing away a martyrdom of Imam al salam a.s. A.s. as well so inshallah this is a quick reminder to go and at least perform their ziyarah and maybe perform a couple of raka'at for them as you will remember inshallah the last heading that we had to cover in our series has to do with the merit of the learner and so we covered I think all of the ingredients of the learner until now and it might be worth doing a very quick recap to see how we got to this point Um, but the idea is that we have discussed uh, all the ingredients that make according to Islam according to our religion that make an effective learner, a good learner in Islam. And the next heading in this series, in this part of the series where we are focused on the learner is the merit of the learner. And we'll come back to the point of why we kept it till the end, and then inshallah we move to the teacher and everything related to the teacher in Islam as the next uh, component. So you will remember that we began by discussing the importance of reason, knowledge, wisdom, judgment and so on and so forth in our religion and saying that the opposite is not an alternative. The opposite being jahl, foolishness and ignorance. Therefore, we must embark on a journey of knowledge and reason according to our religion. And we saw how the narrations and the verses of the Holy Quran, they don't say that it's important to acquire knowledge. They don't say it's important to Uh, have a stronger faculty of reasoning it is necessary and there's a big difference between something between saying that something is important and something is necessary and what we saw in our religion is that the acquisition of knowledge is necessary the use of reasoning is necessary it's not a luxury that you can have, it's important to have but you have the choice of not having so once we agreed on this, then we said, what do we do now? So before we embark on the journey of acquiring the knowledge, we said there are two conditions that are sometimes either not mentioned at all or covered much later in the classic way of dealing with knowledge. But because they are conditions, it makes a lot more sense to cover them, to be aware of them right from the beginning so as to do everything afterwards while ensuring that we meet those two conditions. Those two conditions, if they are met, they will ensure that the journey on the acquisition of knowledge, the seeking of knowledge, is going to be an Islamic one, and any knowledge that we acquire is going to be Islamic, regardless of its nature, regardless of the type of knowledge that it is. And those two conditions are that first and foremost, the intent behind the acquisition and the seeking for knowledge. What is our intent? And we said the highest level of that intent, the best form of that intent, is referred to as sincerity, as Okay, We want to make sure that we have good intentions when we want to acquire knowledge, when we seek knowledge. And we spoke about that topic at length. And we said the second condition in Islam is that knowledge must lead to action. It cannot remain at the level of theory. It cannot remain at, an, at the level of ideas and abstract thoughts it has to translate into something that you see in the action and the behavior and the state of the human being for the action to appear externally, it means that there's something that happened internally and that's why we called this entire topic of knowledge, we said it's transformational knowledge in Islam, knowledge, to be Islamic knowledge must be transformational when you acquire knowledge it has to do something to you internally and then this is going to result in an external action that is going to be different, or a state that is going to be different than the one you had before acquiring that knowledge. So those are the two conditions. Sincerity of intent and knowledge leading to action. Those two conditions mean that, now what do we do? What's the next step? We said, so now we must action, we must move into action. What is the first action? The first action is therefore To become a seeker of knowledge That becomes the first action And this is what got us on the path Of discussing What does Islam say about being a learner What does that look like What are the ingredients that make up A learner in Islam And so we began, we called them Manners of the learner The ingredients of the effective learner And we went through a number of them The importance of uh, dedicating time and energy, the importance of deeper understanding and not being content with a superficial understanding, the importance of uh, what we called serious study, and this is at the individual level and at the collective level. Both are required for effective learner to take uh, learning to take place. Direct apprenticeship and being linked to an actual human being who is teaching, and not only relying on lectures or books or you know, one way, you have to have a capacity to interact. There has to be a two-way interaction at some point to validate, to ask questions, to interact with uh, someone. And we said there are other components to this as well. It's not just at the level of acquiring the knowledge and the quality of the knowledge. There are spiritual, psychological, practical dimensions to this too. The seeking and accepting of the truth, which is an attitude that a good learner must have, and so this is associated with humility, and this drive to ask and be open to receiving the truth from wherever we find it. Patience, perseverance. We spoke about uh, even the use of flattery, uh, the importance of noble competition in in acquiring knowledge, um, the importance of writing. Otherwise, all of this is going to evaporate time management, the importance of early mornings for acquiring knowledge especially, but just to manage our days, Um, eating and comfort versus the idea of being willing to sacrifice comforts for things that are more important, the importance of youth and seeking opportunities before they are lost, the importance of self-motivation and internal drive, the importance of becoming a good listener. And we said that becoming a good listener, just like speaking, this is not something we are born with. This is something that you learn. There are ways, there are skills, there are practices that you have to uh, apply in order to become and practice over time to become a better speaker as well as a better listener and better at, and that was a big topic we spent a couple of lectures on, asking questions. How do you ask questions? Which questions do you ask? When do you ask them? From whom do you ask them? and so on and so forth. And we spend, uh, I think, a good time on that. The importance of critical thinking. And uh, we went back and forth on this. And this has been a running theme in the entirety of the series. Uh, And uh, the last time we met, we spoke about respecting the order, even the seating arrangement. We had a little discussion about the seating arrangement uh, according to the instructions of our religion. The importance of having knowledge of the different opinions about topics, especially as you move to more advanced levels of knowledge about a topic. Otherwise, don't waste time with opinions when you are starting, when uh, you are still a beginner in any topic. And the importance of not rushing to become an authority in, in a field, in a topic, especially when there are others more qualified who have presented themselves as authorities If they're doing a good job, you don't need to step up and take on that responsibility and become uh, basically a source of information or knowledge for others if you don't need to. Within that, we took um, a couple of lectures. We spent time going through a number of books that we thought were interesting, important to at least be aware of that have to do with a lot of the topics that we talked about. And we did this for a number of reasons to complement what we're talking about and to also highlight that in today's Western tradition, let's say, um, those who are coming to all sorts of performance issues, uh, manners in which people conduct themselves in the world to become better at what they do. And we said this is applying at the personal level and our personal lives is applying to uh, the professional world, the corporate world, the business world. All of this is applied to it. And so these thinkers and these Uh, academics, and they're coming to this, to these issues from different angles, but all of them are reaching the same conclusions that we saw in all of these lectures as uh, the ingredients that lead to becoming an effective learner. And so we spoke, for instance, about the importance of time management, the importance of understanding that what you put in your body, the food that you consume, affects the way you think, affects your mood, affects your state, and therefore your ability to perform and your ability to think. It affects your brain performance, right? It affects you psychologically, it affects you physically, and so on and so forth. We spoke about self-motivation and being self-driven and how they talk about this. We spoke about the importance of focus, and not multitasking and not being scattered, really focusing on one task and doing it well and prioritizing that task until it is done well and not being all over the place. Otherwise your energy is going to be uh, wasted. And then we spent time talking about speaking, listening, thinking, and asking. And we spent a bit more time on listening specifically because of the amount of literature that exists around listening from all the different angles. And the last time we met, we spoke about um, one specific book where we said that it provides an excellent summary for anyone who's looking for something a little bit more formal in terms of studies from our own tradition that covers a lot of what we have been talking about and we will continue to be talking about for a while and which has a quite a strong spiritual dimension to it. So it's not just the information and the linkages to verses of the Qur'an or hadith, uh, and it is not heavy on those. It just mentions one here and there, uh, but it also adds a spiritual dimension, and this is the book called Muniyat al-Murid, written by uh, Shaheed al-Thani, and we spoke about that, so inshallah, this is just uh, as a quick refresher, but to complete the topic and understand if we want to spend a bit more time, where to go and what Good resource there is uh, about all of this, so now we want to turn our attention to what we called is the last the last component of this topic, which is the merits of the learner. What is the value of the learner in Islam, the person who becomes a real seeker of knowledge, if you meet those conditions of seeking knowledge, what is your worth? what is your merit, what is your value? what is your importance, okay? One thing that we could ask right now is, logically, we should have talked about this much earlier. In fact, we should have began the series when we started talking about the learner specifically before jumping into the ingredients of the learner. We should have talked about the merits of the learner. So why did we postpone it until the very end? And we're done after this talking about the learner. We're moving to the teacher. And inshallah, we won't spend more than a max. Maybe a couple of lectures on this, uh, and we will be done. So why did we postpone it until the very end? First, we have talked about this topic directly and indirectly from the beginning of the series. First, we talked about this topic when we began the series about the importance of knowledge and the importance of reason. In Islam, we mentioned a number of narrations that one way or another were hinting to the same conclusion. And so we're not going to try to the, the extent possible not repeat any of those hadith. And if we are, we're looking at it from a different angle. Here the angle is going to be the focus is the seeker of knowledge, himself or herself, the person. We want to see what the religion says, not about the activity. We want to see the person. What is the value? What is the merit of the person seeking knowledge? Okay, that's first and foremost. Secondly, And I think this is the more important point. We're trying to wrap up this topic and move to the next. So this is our last encounter with the learner. The point from all of this, to apply what we are learning ourselves to ourselves, to the series, the point from all of this is not just to learn this and move on. The point from all of this is that it translates into action. So we kept this part to me certainly inshallah these narrations that we're going to start going through are a reminder that also motivates, that will also make us commit to acquiring knowledge, to becoming seekers of knowledge, that it moves us into action. We're doing this and we're keeping it till the end because perhaps if we would have kept it at the beginning and covered all of the ingredients, those parts that make us move towards becoming the seeker, perhaps we forget them with time. So we keep them to wrap up the topic with the part that is the most important. We could have started with what's most important. We're actually ending with what's most important here. And it is to understand the value that our religion is putting in the person who truly seeks to acquire knowledge in the Islamic sense. In other words, the perhaps stronger way to say this and to really understand this, this is the worth of the person seeking knowledge before God. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala considers to be the merit and the value of this person. If this does not motivate you, nothing will. If you don't understand your value in the eyes of God of becoming a seeker of knowledge, of becoming a learner, then nothing will motivate you. If this is not the ultimate motivation, I don't know what else is. Okay, that's why we kept it until the end so that inshallah this becomes the, the commitment, this becomes the reason to have the discipline and to have the energy and not to be lazy and not to postpone and to seek the, op- the opportunity and so on and so forth, everything that we spoke about until now. Okay, and that's the reason why we postponed this uh, until now. Okay, so as usual, we are going to group the hadith, the narrations into little categories with little headings and see samples of them in each type. So inshallah, we wrap up the, the topic quickly. The first one has to do with merit in general. The merit of the learner in general, without anything more. The first hadith comes to us from Imam Ali alayhi salam. He says, لطالب Short and sweet. Imam Ali alayhi salam says, To the seeker of knowledge, belong, and so we have to talk about this word of Izz, Izz dunya let's just say might, prestige respect, power in this world that's what you get in this world and what do you get in the afterlife? and you are successful, you win, you have victory in the afterlife the hadith itself as we said, short and sweet but it has a lot of content in it A lot of the things that we've covered until now. So quick reminder. First, there's a reason why we were starting with this hadith. As usual, the general rule in our religion is that you see how it balances between this world and the next. Everything that our religion says to do or not to do is really meant for the ultimate purpose is the afterlife. But you see that in our religion, there's also a component, a dimension of the same teaching that also is beneficial to this world. And so here, Imam Ali al is saying, seeking knowledge, yes, it gives you victory in the afterlife, and it also makes you mighty, powerful, respected, however you want to translate it, is in this world. Okay? So the benefit is dual. It exists in both types of dimensions, both existence. That's the first. The second is that this whole series, when we began... With this theme, the theme of knowledge We said in today's world The most important capital The currency of today's world Is knowledge How do you know what is the currency of the world? How do you know that which is going to be the most important thing In a given society, in a given culture, at a given time? How do you know? You have to look for what gives you the most power in today's world what gives you most power or you know if you go in the in sociology and social sciences they call it agency what gives you the most agency what what empowers you the most in the world what gives you the most reach the most influence in the world is it money money is still very important but it's not money and that's why they shifted as we said to becoming knowledge societies because in today's world that which gives you power that which gives you agency more than anything else, is knowledge. Your control of knowledge. How much knowledge can you produce? How much knowledge can you consume? How much knowledge can you control? You control the flow of knowledge. You decide who gets to see what knowledge and who doesn't and what they can do with it. That's it. That's the most powerful, powerful thing in today's world. We don't know what it... What else is going to happen in the future? But in today's world, in the latest evolutionary phase of humanity, at a collective level, they are talking about knowledge societies or information societies. Why? Because this is what gives you the most power. As a person, if you know how to use it, and as a society. Imam Ali alayhi salam is talking about Izzah. That which gives you might. That which gives you power. That which gives you a place in this world. He says, what is it? To the seeker of knowledge, belong, Izzah in this world, the power and the might and the respect in this world, and victory in the afterlife. Their big aha moment, their big eureka, Imam Ali alayhi is talking about it 14 centuries ago. He's saying you want might, you want respect, you want power, agency in the world. It comes with knowledge. Become the knowledge seeker. Beat everyone else in your knowledge seeking. And you will be the one who has the might in the world. In this world. That's the benefit of this world. And in the next world, there's a greater benefit. That you are going to be the one who is victorious. You're going to be the one who wins. Okay? So that's the first hadith from Imam Ali alayhi salam. The second hadith. This is a hadith that we saw Earlier, and we went through it uh, quickly. So I mention it again. I won't spend too much time on it. I think it's clear enough from Imam al-Sajjad alayhis salam. Imam Ali ibn al-Husayn, Zayn al-Abideen, he says, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ النَّاسِ مَا فِي طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ وَلَوْ بِسَفْكِ الْمُهَجْ So if people understood or if they knew the benefit of seeking knowledge, they would seek it even if it meant that they have to give their most precious blood for it. And even if they have to uh, brave the dark or the violent waves, in other words, if they have to travel the oceans, the depths of the oceans, in order to reach that knowledge, what else does he say? And then he adds, "Inna Allah wa taala Awha Allah subhanahu wa taala revealed to one of the prophets called Daniel, "An ilay al jahil al mustahif ilm." Lil لِلْإِقْتِدَاءِ بِهِمْ God Almighty revealed to Prophet Daniel, the one I despise the most among my servants is the one who is a fool or ignorant and who underestimates the right of the people of knowledge. So that's the first indication that those who carry knowledge, they have a right over others. This person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I despise them. I dislike them the most simply because they underestimate. It's not that they don't recognize. They undervalue. They underestimate the right of the people who carry the knowledge. That's the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is the person I dislike the most from my servants. Very important, very grave, serious words. And then he says, the one who does not follow their leadership. So already from this hadith you see that one of the main criteria for leadership is what is knowledge. Allah expects people who have more knowledge to be more in positions of leadership. that's the real criteria. Then he says this is part of what Allah Taala revealed to Daniel. وَأَنَّ أَحَبَّ لِلْثَّوَابِ الْجَزِيلِ اللَّازِمِ لِلْعُلَمَاءِ الْقَابِلِ And, on the other side, the one from my servants who is most beloved to me, the one that I like the most among my servants, is the pious one, the one who has piety, God-fearing, the one who seeks the great rewards. And one way to understand this hadith is to say, okay, what are the great rewards? Or how do you attain those great rewards? So now there's an explanation. The hadith says, the one who attaches himself to the scholars. So this is a seeker of knowledge. He knows where to find the knowledge and he goes after it. This person became, he is not the scholar himself. This is someone who is attaching himself to someone carrying knowledge. That trait alone made this person the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he adds the one who follows those who have good judgment the one who accepts from those who are wise so you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not the praising the person who is carrying the knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is praising the one who associates with those who carry the knowledge associates with those who carry wisdom associates with those who have good judgment Okay? And so, of course, here clearly you see both sides. And sometimes we, we talk about this and sometimes we forget. The benefit or the importance or the necessity of doing something sometimes is mentioned alone. And sometimes the opposite, because we might think that not doing anything is an option. Here we have a warning that you have two alternatives. Don't fall into the category of the one who undervalues the merit of those who have this right because they carry the knowledge. There's a warning. And on the positive side, on the motivation side, become of those who fall in the second category. Those who are the most beloved or liked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet he says, طَالِبُ الْعِلْمِ بَيْنَ الجهال كَالْحَيِّ بَيْنَ الْأَمْوَاتِ The Holy Prophet says, صلى الله عليه وآله, the seeker of knowledge among people who are ignorant is like the living among the dead. A live entity, a live person in a cemetery, for instance, surrounded by people who are dead. The criterion here that the Holy Prophet is giving For life and death is what? And we talked about this when we talked about reason. We said reason. Our religion says reason is what brings you to life. Wisdom brings you to life. We saw different hadith. Knowledge is life. Knowledge is light. And we saw the different metaphors used in our religion. So here, first of all, the image is strong. I don't think we need to explain more. I will simply hint to the fact that this image is used and used a lot and it's a very deep one in the Holy Qur'an. The idea of who is alive and who is not in the Holy Qur'an is very clearly mentioned in a number of verses. What is real life? What is real living in the Holy Qur'an? It is mentioned. It says the afterlife. After you die, we think death equals nothingness. The moment you you leave this world, then you die in our world. That's how we Speak as human beings, the whole Quran says it's the opposite. The true living is the afterlife. Not here. This is not real living. You're not fully alive here. Okay? And there are verses in the Quran, for instance, in Surat al Anfal, Ya amanu istajibu lillahi rasul, idha Daakum Lima Oh you who believe. Answer or respond to God and the Messenger when they call you to that which brings you to life. The Holy Prophet here says, the seeker of knowledge is the person who is alive among, if they are between ignorant people, people who are not seekers of knowledge, then this is someone who is alive among those who are dead. The Holy Quran says, respond to God and the messenger, when they invite you to that which brings you to life. So, we might think, it's all about belief. Here, the explanation from this hadith from the Holy Prophet means that the only way to do that is is through seeking knowledge. The way you become alive is through seeking knowledge. It's not just faith. There's a, a layer of seeking knowledge, of knowledge that is that has to be added to the belief, the faith dimension. Okay? So that's the first category, and we simply refer to it as the merit of the seeker of knowledge in general. A second category. These are the hadith that start explaining and there's a whole dimension here that i'm not going to emphasize too much i think it will be clear simply by hinting to it how seeking of knowledge is itself a struggle in the way of god so we mention this to compare to how we usually are brought up or the majority of the world thinks what does islam say about struggling striving in the way of god what does that look like usually Or when we say someone has passed away as a result of struggling in the way of God. And technically we refer to this person as a shaheed. Okay, what is the criteria? What does that look like? And what do these hadith say? And the interesting component to this, so inshallah we're going to go through the hadith, it will be clear enough. One component of this is that if Our religion is saying that the seeking of knowledge is itself a struggle in the way of God. In fact, the highest form of it, then clearly, when you compare it to other things that may look a lot tougher, a lot more difficult to do, then do not take it lightly. It means our religion religion does not say things just randomly and without reason. When it's saying that this is a struggle in the way of God, it means that this is not an easy path there's going to be a lot of difficulties. It requires resilience and patience and perseverance and hard work. Otherwise, the reward would not be at this level. Okay? There is an intrinsic importance to it, yes, but there's also a difficulty associated with it. So if you think that this path of seeking knowledge is an easy one, think again. There is something that you're missing. Otherwise, our religion would not give it this importance and this reward, especially when it uses these types of terms that we're going to seek. Okay, that's one. The second point related to these ahadith is that clearly striving in the way of God is considered the highest form, the best form of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as you will see, if the seeking of knowledge is equivalent to this or even better and, and of a higher level, of a higher degree, then in other words, the seeking of knowledge, if someone says seeking knowledge is therefore more important or better than any other act of worship, well, this would be the highest form of worship and knowledge seeking is higher, then you will not be surprised to learn that knowledge seeking and the seeker of knowledge is better, more important, has more merit than the person who is engaged in any other act of worship, including the striving in the way of God. Okay? That's these are the two points, insha'Allah, that are takeaways from these ahadith, so that we don't repeat them. The first hadith from the Holy Prophet وآله, he says, Talibul ilm kal ra'ih fi sabilillahi Azza wa Jal The seeker of knowledge, the Holy Prophet says, the seeker of knowledge is like the one who is constantly going back and forth, struggling in the way of God. When you say you're, someone is الله, they are doing something, there's a specific image that comes to mind. There's probably engaged in battle, engaged in something violent, and you do that once, and it's over. The event is over. Here the Holy Prophet says, this person, the seeker of knowledge, there's a back and forth constantly, because they're learning. They're a student, they go back and forth, and they keep learning. The Holy Prophet says this, all of this going back and forth, all of this is striving in the way of God. All of this is one act of constantly striving in the way of God. The going and the coming. The back and forth. All of this is a struggle in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the first hadith. A second hadith from the Holy Prophet صلى الله عليه عليه. إِذَا جَاءَ الْمَوْتُ لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ وَهُوَ على هذه الحالة if death comes to the seeker of knowledge while they are in that state in the state of seeking knowledge this person dies a shaheed and I don't want to translate it right away I'm intentionally saying they die a shaheed I'm using the Arabic term I'm not translating it right away as they will die a martyr shaheed in Arabic has a different connotation it it has what they call in linguistics a different semantic sphere. The ideas that come to mind with that root and that word are very different from the ones that come to mind when you say Here, Shahada is witnessing. A shaheed is someone who is witnessing and they were they will bear witness, and this is the real meaning of shaheed. It's not the person who is killed for in whatever circumstances who is referred to. This is secondary. This is secondary, not the real meaning, not the literal meaning. And this is the meaning of the Ruwayat, the Hadith, the Holy Quran, when it says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is shaheed. kafa بِاللَّهِ shaheeda. What does that mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a martyr. That the Holy Quran will come in the afterlife as a shahid or shaheed. And we have that for many other things. The place you stand to pray in your house, in the mosque, the earth on which you walk, the body parts. All of this is a topic of shahada. Very different from the one we think about when we say martyr automatically. Right? So the Holy Prophet says, The person who is a seeker of knowledge. If death comes to them while they are in that state of seeking knowledge, they are dying a shaheed. A completely different way of understanding what shahada is than what we are accustomed to. And a completely different way of understanding the struggle in the way of God than what we are usually accustomed to. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet He says, man طلب ilm فَهُوَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ If someone is seeking knowledge, they remain in the path of God, struggling in the path of God until they come back. So this could apply to a specific event. Right? You go to a lecture seeking knowledge and you come back. That whole act, the Holy Prophet is saying, this is an act of struggle in the way of God. That's one. The second way to understand this is you tell yourself and you actually do it. You dedicate hours of your day, of your week for the next 10 years to seek knowledge. You are in that entire duration of seeking knowledge. It's not this specific event. It's your lifestyle. It's the entire time that you have put in. The Holy Prophet says, Man talab whoever seeks knowledge, they remain in the state of struggling in the way of God until it is done, until they leave that, that state. So one way to understand it is a specific event of knowledge seeking. The other way to understand it is that this is an attitude and a lifestyle. Okay. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet. He says, Talibul ilmi, sabilillah the seeker of knowledge, and I kept it till the end because all of the previous hadith could be understood in different ways. Here the Holy Prophet says the seeker of knowledge is better before God, is better in the eyes of God than the one who is struggling in the way of God, if we want to translate it literally, the one who is performing jihad in the way of God. Right? The Holy Prophet is saying they are better. In the previous hadith, It was ambiguous. What we could say from the previous hadith is that they are equivalent. The seeker of knowledge is also someone who is struggling in the way of God. That's what it's telling us. This hadith is explicit. He's not equivalent. The seeker of knowledge is not equivalent to someone else who is struggling in the way of God. The seeker of knowledge is better than the one who is struggling in the way of God. So this struggle in the way of God is different in nature. And it is better. And if you have the choice, if you're in a situation, because there will be situations where you have to do one or the other. If you have a situation where both are possible alternatives, you know which one to choose. There's no ambiguity here in the Hadith of the Holy Prophet. And these are samples. There are many others like them. And we're going to see others too that the Holy Prophet is clearly saying he is not equivalent, he's not similar, he is afdal he is better than the person who, and so we kept it till the end, in case there is ambiguity, this removes all ambiguity. Okay, so inshallah this also clarifies the merit of the seeker of knowledge. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi He says, من طلب علما فأدركه كتب الله له كفلين من الأجر ومن طلب علما فلم يدرك كتب الله له من الأجر The Holy Prophet says, The one who seeks knowledge and reaches it is granted a double portion of reward from God. And the one who seeks knowledge but does not reach it is granted a single portion of reward from God. Here, there's a difference depending on how we interpret the hadith. I think there's one way we can... I'm not going to say we reject, but it seems weak to interpret the hadith as meaning. You intend to become a knowledge seeker, and two people intend to become knowledge seekers. One of them reaches their goal, the other does not in terms of the knowledge acquired. One of them gets double the reward of the other one. I I would say this is a very weak interpretation. This is not what the Holy Prophet is saying. The Holy Prophet is saying two people seek the knowledge. One of them reaches it. They basically got two rewards from God. They got two merits, two values, two benefits from God. One of them is their intent to reach. And the other one is having reached. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored this person by, you know, you start a business one person starts a business and is successful, the other one starts a business and is, the business fails. Okay? Both of them tried. Not both of them are necessarily going to achieve the same result. The one who achieves a different result, obviously, they got an additional favor. Right? So the Holy Prophet is saying this person got double favor. The other person, even though they did not reach, they still get a favor. That's the point of this hadith. Okay? That's the first point. The second, this is also, just like we said for the previous hadith, this is also a, um, the Holy Qur'an refers to the same notion in different ways. And I don't have time to go through more than one. In one verse, for instance, in the Holy Qur'an, in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَآمِنُوا بِرَسُولِهِ يُؤْتِكُمْ كِفْلَيْنِ مِنْ رَحْمَتِهِ and this is exactly what we see in this hadith. Katab Allah kiflaini min al-ajr." O you who believe, fear God, and believe in His Messenger, and He will bestow on you a double portion of His mercy. Okay, so I'm not going to go in the tafsir, why this verse was revealed, what does it mean the double portion. The part that I'm trying to link, so that next time, inshallah, you park it, And maybe one day we can talk about these verses or you go and you look it up. Remember one thing that will probably not be mentioned when you look at the tafsir because they will not think of linking it to this hadith. This hadith is saying the way to get this double portion, the way to double your rewards in this world is to add a component, add a dimension by becoming a knowledge seeker. You become a knowledge seeker, you double your reward in this world. Because you're a knowledge seeker. It doubles everything you're doing. Okay? So that's the only point I'll I'll say here. We move to maybe a few ahadith, and then we'll stop. I don't want to go too much. There was a very good comment last week and it's been made before that we talked for too long and then there's no time for Q&A or any interactivity at the end. So I'll try to keep it a little bit more manageable in terms of time. A few ahadith that we can go over very quickly that I think are very interesting. Maybe if you look at one hadith in isolation, this will not come up to you. It will not pop to you. But if you put them together like we are doing, then you start seeing a theme emerge. Even though it is explicitly stated, I don't think it hits people in the way, in the same way just by putting them together. The link between knowledge-seeking and prophethood the first hadith the holy prophet sallallahu says talibul ilm talibul rahmah talibul ilm ruknul islam yu'ta ajruhu ma'an nabiyyin So the seeker of knowledge is a seeker of divine mercy that's the first thing the holy prophet says amazing second talibul ruknul islam the seeker of knowledge is the pillar of islam or the seeker of knowledge, is the cornerstone of Islam. This is quite a big description, quite an important description that the Holy Prophet is giving. Inshallah, this stays in your mind as we move towards this this whole portion of the lectures about the learner and then the teacher, inshallah. We said all of this is leading to a very short conclusion because we made all the points throughout The community, a community of knowledge. It's not just someone in isolation sitting in their corner learning or someone in isolation sitting, teaching a couple of people. This has to amount to an actual community of people coming together around knowledge. You want to build a strong, productive, healthy, vibrant community based on Islamic teachings. It has to be a community of knowledge. Right? And so here we have a huge clue when the Holy Prophet says the seeker of knowledge is the cornerstone of Islam. The seeker of knowledge is the pillar of Islam. What more can the Holy Prophet say? And here notice again, please, I I don't want to keep repeating this. Notice that we are talking about not the person who carries the knowledge. We're talking about the person who is seeking the knowledge. The Holy Prophet is not saying the scholar is the pillar of Islam. The Holy Prophet is saying the seeker of knowledge is the one who is the pillar or the cornerstone of Islam. Okay? And then he says, Yura Ajruhu Maal Nabiyin. He shall be given his reward along with the prophets. We know in the afterlife people are brought together after the judgment. There are different types of judgment in the afterlife. You are assessed and judged as an individual, but you are also assessed and judged as part of different groups. You are part of a family. You have kinship, ties. You have blood, relatives, and ties. There are rights between you. You belong to a community. You belong to a society. You belong to an era. Right? All of these mean... That there are rights. How did you act? And sometimes it's not how did you act individually. How did you act collectively? How did you act as a society? One way some people are being brought in the afterlife, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in one way he says, every prophet is going to be brought forth with their people. Right? And the prophet of those people is going to be the witness over his people. And the Holy Quran says, and the Holy Prophet, our Prophet Muhammad, is going to be the witness over all of them. And this is where you understand the rank of the Holy Prophet. Right? And it could have two meanings that you are a witness over your people, or you are a witness over all of the Prophets and their people. Here, the Holy Quran and the narrations also tell us that. There are cases where people are brought together on a different basis. One way the Holy Prophets are brought together is with their own people. Another way they are all brought together is as Prophets. All the Nabiyeen are brought together. And here the Holy Prophet says, And the seekers of knowledge will be with them. They receive reward along with the Prophets. أَجْرَهُ مَعَ Nabiyin he is given his reward along with the prophets. So that's already a huge indication that the act, this process of seeking knowledge, is putting you in a very different category. You may not see it in this world, in the afterlife it will be very clear. And that's what I meant when I said there's a link between knowledge seeking and prophethood. So that's the first hint. And we start with hints and then we go to what is more explicit? The second hadith. From the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and potentially, there, it's also attributed to Imam Ali ﷺ, من جاء أجله وهو يطلب العلم ليحيي به الإسلام لم, يفصله, لم يفضله النبيين إلا بدرجة So there's a hadith in which, yes. So in, in Arabic, من جاء أجله وهو يطلب العلم بِهِ الْإِسْلَامِ لَمْ يَفْضُلْهُ النَّبِيِّينَ النَّبِيُّونَ إِلَّا بِدَرَجَةَ So Imam Ali or the Holy Prophet saying the one whose death comes while he is in a state of seeking knowledge in order to revive Islam. And that's the additional component that we did not see. Until now we haven't seen, by the way, and so I always tell you guys this: sometimes things are not mentioned with, with all other conditions, and sometimes a condition is mentioned here and there. And that's why we have to put it all together to see, are there conditions to this or not? Here the imam gave a condition. The condition brings us back to our whole topic, which we introduced the notion of seeking knowledge with. We said there are two conditions: Sincerity of intent. What is your intention? And make sure that it leads to action. Here the imam is referring to one of the conditions. He's saying, Those, the one whose death comes while he's in a state of seeking knowledge in order to revive Islam. This person is seeking knowledge because he feels that this religion is dying. He feels that this religion is in a state of, call it whatever you want, The Imam here or the Holy Prophet is basically saying you're bringing it back to life. And of course, the religion is not the religion in idea. It's how people act based on religion. When you see around, do you see that it's properly applied, properly understood or not? And so if you say, I'm going to seek knowledge, I'm going to equip myself with knowledge so that I change this state of, of affairs to improve it, for the sake of religion, I can't take this state if you are in that type of person and you're seeking knowledge with that intent will be one step removed from the rank of the prophets. You are not a prophet, so that rank is always going to be preserved to them, but you're definitely part of that group. You're removed from them by one step. In another hadith, it says, so the same beginning, but it says, كان بينه وبين الأنبياء درجة في الجنة. There would be, there will be, between this person seeking knowledge to revive religion, there will be between this person and the prophets only one degree of separation in paradise. One rank. In another hadith, same beginning, and it says, He will meet his lord, he will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there is no separation no gap between him and the rank of the prophets except the rank of prophethood which is very logical because he's not a prophet so prophethood is a separate rank, a separate degree, so that's the part that he does not have, otherwise he is in that sphere, he's in that world the last hadith from the Holy Prophet ﷺ and we'll stop with this. The Holy Prophet ﷺ says, طلب مع السمت الحسني والعمل الصالح جزء من النبوة. So the Holy Prophet says, seeking knowledge for the sake of God along with having good character and good conduct. Remember? First, the hadith before was about intent. Your intent is to revive religion. Here, it's action. So this person is seeking knowledge for the sake of God, along with having good character and good intent or good conduct. F1, is a part of prophethood. Is a portion of prophethood. A part of prophethood, according to this hadith, جُزْءٌ مِنَ النُّبُوَّةِ A part of prophethood is about what? This is a a mysterious aspect of prophethood. Perhaps we don't think about it. Prophet is about knowledge seeking and knowledge giving. This person, by becoming a knowledge seeker, they are putting themselves in that sphere. But not in a metaphorical way. We're not the ones making this up. You know, logically we might sit and think there is some similarity between this activity and that activity. We're not doing that ourselves. The Holy Prophet says, طَلَبُ الْعِلْمِ فِي Meeting those conditions, جُزْءٌ مِنَ This is a portion of, this is not all of nubuwa. There's much more to nubuwa, but this is a part of it. And this is explaining to us when we began this whole topic today. And inshallah, we're going to keep going. We'll stop here for today. Inshallah, we'll try to wrap it up next time. When we say, you have a very special care from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You hold a very special place in the system of existence in this world, even though you may not see it, in the next world for sure. Simply by being a seeker of knowledge. And so here, at the end, insha'Allah, this was clear to all, we saw the two conditions that we've been talking about. The reason why we put those conditions before talking about the ingredients, before talking about the actual knowledge seeking. We said there are two conditions in Islam. Intent and action. In the hadith before, in order for you to be part of sharing that experience of prophethood with the prophets, without being a prophet, your intent has to be to revive religion. It's intent. It's a sincerity of intent. Why are you seeking knowledge? How are you using knowledge? Are you using it in the way that the prophets use it or differently? That's one. Two. Two is the action. Hasan We said from the beginning, knowledge has to lead to action. Here this is the hadith with the second. And we said, wherever you look, for the merit, for the importance, for the value of knowledge, you're going to see that there are two conditions that are always there. Sometimes they're explicitly mentioned. Sometimes one of them is mentioned. Sometimes they're not mentioned. But they're always there. Intent, action. Let's stop here, inshallah. And uh, we continue with the relationship between the seeker of knowledge and the angels, the relationship with heaven, and so on and so forth inshallah we'll try to wrap it up the next time we meet so that we can move to the next part of the series inshallah so if there are any questions concerns, comments um, first of all like for, the, for the lecture day, thank you <laughs>
1: But uh, um, I understand when when you're talking about uh, the placement of this lecture, logically could have been in the in the beginning, makes complete sense. Um, but I, I would go further to say, like maybe this lecture is really um, um, kind of highlights or, or puts down the worldview of a learner. Um, so this is kind of like what a, if you are to be a, a learner, this is the worldview of it, and then you go into what it is to be a learner, the criteria and so on, the merits and so on. Um, which I, I think I missed the point on why you put it in the end instead of the beginning. Uh, hopefully you can get an answer on that. Um, but also, um, going back to our previous series on terms of there is no neutral ground, it's either um, up or down. Um, so if, uh, if um, knowledge is power, quote-unquote, um, so if uh, there's uh, knowledge societies um, with most likely, have power over ignorant societies, um, and that would mean if uh, if your society is ignorant, you're putting yourself at a detriment to be most likely at at, at, at the hand of tyranny, um, unless you trust the other societies that uh, have that knowledge. So, uh, I'm assuming um, one way would be to fight, let's say, tyranny, is to equip yourself with knowledge. Would that be correct as as a society to uplift the society would be really just just that knowledge. And really, and if that's the case, then um, to have a revolution, quote unquote, it, it, it's, it, it's always looked at in the opposite way. It was like a top down type of thing, but this is really a bottom up type of solution. The more knowledge there is, the better the society is, and then the less possibility of tyranny or, or being uh, having a tyrant from another society kind of conduct what your fate is.
0: Okay, so so the first uh, comment had to do with uh, the placement of it. Uh, so the placement of this topic, so the, the comment you made is, uh, is excellent, deep and excellent. There's a lot of reasons why we kept it until the end. I just mentioned the two big ones and obvious ones. You are absolutely right. Uh, this definitely has to do with the worldview of the learner. The one I wanted to emphasize, however, is that inshallah, it's clear that by putting it at the end, this is a call to action. If we understand the merit in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we're saying this is what our religion says is the merit of the seeker of knowledge, the merit of the learner, therefore do something about it. If this is true, then what, you're going to ignore this? You have to do something. So doing something means, therefore now, this is a punchline from everything that we've said, therefore become a seeker. And if these hadith are not going to make you a seeker of knowledge, then I don't know what will. Okay, that was the reason why we were ending with this instead of beginning with this. The second point has to do with um, therefore the best tool. And you're referring to that one hadith from Imam Ali alayhis salam, Izz dunya We talked about this topic much, much earlier in the in the series. And inshallah, we're going back to it till, towards the end. I mentioned at some point, so I will say it again, but this is supposed to be uh, I mentioned it in passing and I don't know if people caught it or not. In short, because it's a deep idea, in short, the entire series, the theme of knowledge in the in the life series, life series is made up of themes. We are still in the first theme. The next th- themes I think are going to go faster um, because this is the one where we said we are rewiring the human being. Okay, From, we're restarting the rewiring of a human being, the wiring of a human being. In short, the entire theme of knowledge of this series is about one thing. That Islam is a knowledge revolution. When it was revealed, it was a knowledge revolution. And today it is a knowledge revolution. This religion is a knowledge revolution. And this is the meaning of jahiliyyah. Islam came against jahiliyyah. With everything that that word means. Including the extreme form of ignorance. The opposite of knowledge. This is a revolution of knowledge. This religion is a revolution of knowledge. And so, however you want to understand this religion at the spiritual level, how you connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how you understand Ahlul Bayt and the prophets and who you are spiritually. How are you supposed to, you know, have a stronger, better soul? and get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How you perform your acts of worship at the fiqhi sense. How you understand the political system, the economic system, the family system. All of this is a knowledge revolution. Okay, That's why we started with this series. At the end of it, we began by saying that, but it was a comment in passing that I did not think anyone would catch because we haven't gone through all of the lectures. We started by saying that and we're going to end that whole theme of knowledge by saying, therefore, do we all agree that knowledge, that Islam is a knowledge revolution or not? And if it is the case, so what? What does it mean now for us? What do I do now that I know that Islam is a knowledge revolution? So until you're beating me to the punch. Okay, but you 100% understood the whole idea that therefore applied to, let's say, a political or a social lens the strongest tool that you have, the best instrument that you have, is knowledge. And Imam Ali alayhi salam talks about this in some of his narrations. And we mentioned one, there are others, and we're going to come back to them, inshallah. Where he says that, you know, that it's through knowledge that there are people who rose in this world. And the necks and eyes of everyone else turned towards them. We're not saying what type of knowledge. This is very general. You look at today's world, this is exactly what has happened. It could be industrial knowledge. That's fine. It's still a type of knowledge or not. Right? And so the idea that you become dependent on the knowledge of others, of course, is going to put you in a position of weakness. So long as you are dependent on their knowledge. Can you produce your own? Or do you have to rely on their knowledge for whatever You know, from the economic to the industrial, to your laws, to your constitutions, to how you run a country, to whatever it may be, because this can apply to a small community and it can apply to entire states. Okay, but that's the idea. And we we are moving towards that, but applied at the political, social level, activist level, Mm -hmm. any lens, it's always going to be. Your first, strongest, best tool is always going to be knowledge everything else falls under some people are going to say for instance you have to have a social status you have to have wealth you have to have without knowledge these are useless you can have all the wealth in the world if you don't know how to use it where to put it what to do with it it's useless right same thing with social status same thing with you know so this is the application of it we're still at the foundation but yes that would be the conclusion
2: Yes, uh, more as a comment, inshallah. Um, regarding two hadiths that you mentioned, uh, there is a verse of the Qur'an that came to my mind. Uh, the first hadith that you mentioned was about um, the seeker of knowledge among the people is like the alive amongst the dead, from Prophet Muhammad alayhi wa alayhi. And we linked it to the ayah of the Qur'an. Um, go to that which brings you life, you know, answer uh, awesome. And the other hadith was, uh, but then if death comes to the seeker of knowledge while he is in that state, Well he dies, he dies as a shaheed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so here we have the notion of um, being alive and being a shaheed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And a verse that came تحسب. to my mind is: "وَلَا لِمَن فِي <laughs> there's
0: two verses but yes a, yeah. Yeah, both of them are <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, this is um, this hadith that says that uh, one who dies as as a seeker of knowledge will die as a shaheed is is very revolutionary uh, in that sense because uh, like you mentioned we have this notion of shahada that is um, uh, very uh, traditional. That is someone who maybe dies in a certain way on probably on a battlefield, like uh, those who who died on uh, uh, defending the sanctities of Islam, for instance, uh, as we have seen in in our lifetime, for for instance. But uh, this hadith and the other one as well, that the one whose death comes while he is seeking knowledge, and in order to revive Islam, uh, will be one degree away from prophets. And we know that the, the the levels of uh, the Anbiya and then the the scholars and the martyrs, they will have inter are the three groups that will have intercession. Um, so I felt that it is um, it's it's. Um, it's very well. Yeah, these these hadiths have a lot to do with what the Quran is also saying.
0: It's a it's an excellent point. Um, the the connection that you're making between these hadiths, first of all, connecting these hadiths together through the verses of the Quran, and there are many others. I was hesitating, for instance, towards the end, so that we keep it short. There's the whole longer, longish. Um, uh, narration where Imam Ali alayhi salam talks for instance about ilm with Kumail right or he talks uh, in general and we went through some of this where for instance he says that the scholar one of the differences between other people is that the scholars A'yanuhum the person himself is gone but Atharuhum, the the traces they have left behind the knowledge they have left behind are still alive among the people so the alim is still alive because his knowledge is alive. Whereas other people, when they die, everything dies with them. Except this person is leaving something behind. Of course, and this is the whole notion of al anything good that you leave behind is going to keep you alive and keep your existence in one way alive in this world. This is what it really is about. Not whether your body is here or not. And so this comes back to the same notion. This is the notion of shahada in this world and the next, by the way. The same idea. What good have you left behind what trace have you left that even though you, your body, may he be here or not, you may pass away or not, but what have you left behind that is going to be good or bad, a trace that you have left behind, and the best one that you could potentially leave behind is knowledge. You you change societies. You, you create revolutions, for instance, because of the knowledge that you have left behind. Right? So the... Uh, that's the link, and then these, these uh, uh, verses that you have mentioned, they require, because there's a lot of other dimensions to them too, okay? But there is definitely that component, that there is a life or a different understanding of life than the one, the biological one we want to give, right? And knowledge is one way to understand this, and Imam Ali salam makes it very clear in a lot of ahadith, okay? But the Holy Qur'an does too, and we refer to one of those verses, so, excellent point and excellent connections. أحسنتم. We're good? Wa salallahu ala wa ala alihi